There's a lot of things that I have talked about in the past and some things that I haven't really talked about. It's hard to tell which things are important and need to be said and some things that seem like they may be too graphic and some things that just don't really seem important. And there was a night back in October of 2008. It was a little less than a year before I had escaped. And a serious incident happened that night that I don't really talk about. And I look back now at that night and realize that it was a night where everything changed. It was because of that night that I eventually realized what was happening to me was not normal. Although that night, I may not have realized that, a lot of things afterwards did. And because of the events of that night was actually why I was granted my restraining orders. So what happened that night? Well, it all began with a phone call from my ex-husband. My father and him had been arguing over God knows what, and my father was threatening to report his van stolen. While me and my ex-husband were still together, he had financed a van, and it was in my father's name. And my father liked to do things like that. He would have our cell phones, our cars, our credit cards, everything in his name. So he had something hanging over our head. And in this particular case, he was using my ex-husband as a way to control me too. And him threatening to report my ex-husband's van stolen would affect my life in a great way but it wasn't necessarily something that I wanted to get involved with if he had gone through with what he was threatening I would have lost my child support my ex-husband would have taken a lot of things out on me so he essentially just told me that I needed to handle it However I chose to, I don't think he really had anything in mind. So I had came home and I wasn't quite sure of what to do or how to handle the situation. I was at school and had been doing a lot of extra hours just trying to get as many hours in that I needed to so I could hopefully get my cosmetology license a lot sooner. And I just remember saying to my father that I get it, you're an asshole, and you do what you do, but you know, you have to realize that your actions do affect others. And I was saying that, and something to the sort that, you know, when you threaten my ex husband, that it affects my child support, which in turn affects my kids, and I basically just told him to knock his shit off in so many words. I got changed. I grabbed my uniform for school that I needed to wear. 
and a couple other clothes and I went out into the garage where the washing machine was so I could do a load of laundry and start to get everything ready for school the next day. I mean, I'd have to wake up so early. I'd have to take one daughter to preschool, another daughter to school, and eat breakfast. You know, it was just hectic in the morning. So I like to have everything ready to go the night before. I didn't really think it was a big deal or that anything crazy was going to happen. But it was just like every other moment in my life whenever I started to get comfortable and not care about things, the other shoe would always drop. So while I was out in the garage loading up the washing machine, my mother had came out and I don't really remember what she was saying to me, but she was screaming at me and pointing her finger while she was and I mean she was practically touching my nose that's how close she was to me and I just took her hands and I just pushed it away and I said to her didn't anyone teach you don't ever point at crazy people I was just at the point that night where I just did not care I did not have time to deal with any of their bullshit that night and I needed to get my clothes washed and I needed to get everything ready for school and I just did not care and I did not have time for it so after I pushed her hand away she began to assault me but this time I did not just sit back and take it I actually fought back I don't know what at that particular moment made me want to but it was just something about that night so at some point I'm not exactly sure how long this went on but my father had come into the garage and gotten involved he grabbed my arms and my hands and held them behind my back and was just allowing my mother to continue to assault me and not allowing me to fight back after a little bit of time, he swung me around and threw me through the door that was behind us, which most of it was made of glass, which just shattered into a thousand pieces. I lost consciousness for a little bit, and when I finally got myself together, I stood up and I just ran back into the house and went over onto the other side of the house to grab my children. They were safe at this time. They had not witnessed any of this. And I doubt that they even heard anything because that's how far away they were. And I was just trying to leave. It wasn't like a permanent thing or not so permanent thing. There really was no thought process in any of this. It was just, I needed to get out of this house right away because I was absolutely terrified. When I attempted to leave, my parents had tried to stop me by blocking all of the doors to the house. I think even at one point, my mother tried to rip my daughters out of my arms and told me that I was not allowed to leave, that I was just acting erratic and I was having an quote unquote episode. 
I hadn't even gotten out of the house at this point, and they were already telling me that what had just happened didn't actually happen, despite the fact that there was broken glass everywhere. I finally just went into my room, which actually was part of a screened-in porch, and my walls literally were made out of bookshelves, and I just jumped out the window with my children. It was on the first floor, so it actually wasn't quite that far of a jump. And then I walked around the house and had to walk over the broken glass while attempting to carry in my two children, which wasn't exactly easy. And I just got in my car and drove away. I called the guy that I was seeing at the time. He knew my girls very well. He babysat them a few times and we had visited over his house quite a bit. So they were comfortable with him. I told him what happened and asked if he could come home from work and watch them so that way I could go and get checked out at the hospital because obviously I was worried about a head injury. A lot of things after this are fuzzy. I don't quite remember everything, but I know that after I got to his house, at some point I did realize that there was blood coming from the back of my head. And I know that I did leave the girls with his roommates and that he was on his way home. He had just been waiting for his replacement to come. Once I got to the hospital, I had a CT scan and they put staples in the back of my head and I was put onto observation for a few hours because I had a concussion. Thankfully, the CT scan confirmed that it was just a concussion and not anything worse. They ran a couple other tests, but they all came back okay, so they allowed me to go home that night. I was just told that I needed to be observed and woken up ever so often. And yeah, that's pretty much all that I really remember about that. I think the worst part of all of it was on my drive home from the hospital. I had a call to my cell phone come in and it was a private number. Generally, I don't answer private numbers, but for some reason, something told me that night that I needed to. When I answered the phone, it was a woman from CPS. She said that an abuse report had come in and she needed to investigate. Uh, I just thought to myself, like, come on. I mean, you guys do this to me and then now you're going to call CPS on me? Really? But honestly, I was not exactly surprised either because that was their MO. If you pissed them off, they would call CPS and try to have your children taken from you. It had worked in the past with my cousin and they were able to successfully have her daughter taken from her. But I was just more worried about getting home and getting some rest than anything else. I had talked to the worker and explained that they were sleeping and that they were at a safe place that 
I had a concussion and a head injury and I just really wanted to go get rest. And I asked if it was possible that we would meet in the morning. But I did tell her that if she needed to have eyes on my children that night, that she could, but I really did not want to wake them up. So we made an appointment for the next day. It was a little bit of a sigh of relief because I thought that if something was so serious that they had accused me of that she would not be willing to just make an appointment. But I was still absolutely terrified because I didn't know what was going to happen. The next day I woke up, I took the girls to school and I straightened up the house a little bit and just waited for my appointment. The worker came out and she read me what the abuse complaint had been. I honestly had no idea what to expect and I certainly did not think the things that they said was what was going to be in that report. They said that I was a drug addict and was addicted to Xanax and prescription pain meds, that I was bipolar and suffered from delusions, that I had assaulted them, and the broken glass actually was from me throwing my mother through the door. And I was just this very verbally and physically abusive person. There was a bunch of other things in there as well, all along those same lines of accusations. I tried very hard to stay calm while I was sitting here and listening to all of these things that they said. And looking back, it was emotional and verbal abuse. And they were doing it through the abuse report that they made about me. And I just kept breathing and finally just said to the worker, just give me the cup. I knew that I needed to take a drug test. And of course, there was no signs of anything in my system because I did not use drugs. Throughout the time that I was trafficked, when they would drug me, for sales, they always would use either things that were over the counter or prescribed to me. So it kind of bit them in the ass a little bit because my system was completely clean. She had gone and talked with my daughters because apparently they said that I had driven away so erratically and that they could hear my children screaming that they didn't want to leave the house with me. But my daughters confirmed that that was in fact not true. It was just this entire mess and I wasn't sure how to handle everything because I didn't want to go back home. And I did notice that I was feeling a little bit better and it was just like this whole stress level in my family seemed so much lower because my parents were out of the picture. So I talked to the guy that I was seeing and asked if it was okay that we stayed for a little bit and that I was going to try to come up with a better plan. And of course, 
he said whatever we needed but then the other shoe dropped again i got a call from the worker and they told me that i needed to have a psych evaluation done and that i would need to be med compliant if that is what the doctor decided i had to go to one of their doctors not mine she also informed me that she had felt that it was safest for me and my children to move back home with my parents and that if we did not i would not be putting my children's best interest ahead of my feelings so she would take them from me it didn't make sense i didn't really exactly argue with her but i was just like i showed you my hospital records and you saw the head wound and you saw that every allegation made against me was false like how can you tell me to go back to that place she didn't answer she just said that if i didn't return home i would lose custody of my children and that they would either go to my parents or be put into foster care so what choice did i have except to go back i didn't want to be there but this was the night that i really started to realize that i needed to escape it was like when a lot of things started to sink in about the amount of control that i was under and how they pretty much had their hands and everything i just could not figure out exactly how the cps worker could say that they were the safer route than me separating myself from them but what was i to do i could not leave my girls it wasn't long after that we had returned to the house that we ended up moving and it's so strange because we moved into the house that me and my ex-husband had lived in right before me and him had separated i didn't really complain too much because i knew the home i knew the area and i was going to have an actual bedroom but it was just like going back to the scene of a lot of crimes when we first moved to this state this was the house that we all lived in together me my ex-husband my children and my parents there is a lot of really bad memories at that house but there is a lot of bad things still happening anyways so it really was just like one of those it is what it is type of situations eventually i sat down with the director of my cosmetology school and i kind of just explained the whole situation because i did have to take a small leave of absence because i wasn't allowed to do any kind of strenuous work and yeah hair kind of seems easy but it really isn't standing on my feet for eight hours a day doing hair was more stress than the doctors wanted me to so when i talked to him i had explained the whole situation and they asked if i had a place to go the directors were husband and wife and they tried calling the shelter but i didn't qualify for the battered women's shelter because because i was an adult and my parents were my abusers i did not have any money saved up and i did not have a whole lot of things 
So the resources that were available to me were pretty limited, other than just going to a homeless shelter, which I did not want to do. And the director of the school even agreed that it wasn't going to keep me safe enough. So I just continued with my support groups, continued with therapy and school, and put together a safety plan. One night when my parents were not home, I went across the street to our neighbor's house and I said to them, if you see that window pointing at my window and the blinds are all the way to the top, just don't ask any questions and just call the police and send them to my house because I need help and I'm not able to call. I did not really get too far into details about why that might happen, but they agreed to do it. I had a burner phone and a bunch of other things hidden throughout my room. I actually wrote a note and I hid it in a place where I wanted the police to be able to find it if necessary, but hoped that my parents would not. Obviously, if they found it since I escaped, I really would not care, but I did not want them to find it while I was still living there. It was a homicide note. It was a worst case scenario type of thing. And I just wrote down a lot of things. I wrote down what I had been going through, that they were taking me on the sales, that they were locking me in my room, just a whole bunch of things. And I wrote that if anything happened to me, that I was not suicidal and that I had no intentions of harming myself and they would be the ones that were responsible. I hid it in my room where my parents would not find it, but the police would if they ever did actually do a thorough search. And it's crazy because even now I still feel anxious and I am holding back from saying the location of this note. And I highly doubt that they still even have the piece of furniture that I hid it in. But I just, I can't say it. So that secret's going to stay a secret. The next year was just about getting myself okay. And to the point where I was strong enough to escape if I needed to. But the most important thing was my plan was not a spur of the moment thing. It was a long drawn out plan that probably was going to take a year or so for me to be able to get all the pieces together. I wanted every single thing to be completely planned out. Obviously a year later, it became abundantly clear that it needed to be a right now type of thing. And I can't say if I'm happy that it turned into that type of thing or if I wish I had taken my time, but the important part was I escaped with my daughters when I was able to, and we were safe. I did go into a lot of detail about my escape last season, but this was basically the series of events that led up to that. There were times when I was locked in my room and not allowed to leave. I would beg them to open the door so I could use the bathroom and they would just give me a bucket and was told to knock twice when I was done. They had taken my food stamps card 
and was using it to buy food, but I was never allowed to eat anything. The only time I was allowed to leave was to go to school, so I would eat while I was there, but when I came home, I did not eat very much. I began to lose a lot of weight, and I was pretty sick. There was one night, and it was strange because my mother opened up my door and gave me dinner, and after she had shut the door, I could hear her talking with my father and saying that she was tired of starving me. Hindsight is always twenty twenty, and I'm almost certain that it was affecting the clients. They didn't want a weak child. I was in my early 20s, but they were still able to pass me off as a minor. Not quite 18 yet was how they advertised me. A friend of mine at the time was deployed to Iraq, and I was saying a little bit about what was going on, and I called the police through my computer and said that I was being locked in my room. He had told me that this was a big deal, and I guess they must have heard because that lock came down before the police got there and it turned into another delusion that I had been having. The last few months that I spent were some of the worst that I ever spent with them. I don't want to go too graphic, but there was a lot of sexual assaults, a lot of verbal assaults, and a lot of physical assaults. I did not really know what to do. It was just... I stopped caring again and I started turning into a shell of a person. CPS had still been investigating and I was put on some pretty heavy antipsychotics. I did not need them. So I was either sleeping or at school or with a client. I don't know how I made it through to be honest. It was just a lot. I felt so trapped and completely devastated because it was like, what was there that I could do? I couldn't even leave my room. It just turned into, I didn't care if I died for a long time. And then eventually it turned into a fight or flight situation. And I knew that leaving was my only option. I opened up to a couple people that I was close to with about what was going on. My friend that just recently passed away was one of them, and he was very helpful. Another friend helped me to get a job and a club, and I worked at the front door and basically just took the ID of people that walked in and the cover charge. And I just tried to plan everything as much as I could. The school was helping me to find a facility that I could go to, whether it was transitional living, a shelter, or a safe house. And it was just like this really huge group effort to get us out and to keep us safe. The ultimate goal was for me to finish school and to be able to stand on my own two feet. And I had teachers that wrote the state board recommending that I take my license early, which the state allowed for and I was able to. And this was so I could essentially get an apartment with a job that paid money. 
I had a couple of friends that were landlords and owned some properties that they were willing to rent to me. But after a while, like I said, it became abundantly clear that I needed to get out as fast as possible. I actually escaped before I took my state boards. Everything about the night of the fight just changed so many things for me. It was when I started to realize that what was happening to me wasn't exactly normal. Though at the time, I really did not know the severity of everything that was going on. I was still under the impression that I was a victim of domestic violence. Because all of the assaults and how similar the amount of control that they had over my life, it was pretty easy to make that mistake. I feel like I escaped when I was ready to. And if it had been sooner, I think things would have been different. And if it would have been later, I don't think I would have made it out alive. Everything happened the way that it was supposed to happen. One of the best things about all of this was I did take a leave of absence from school and when I went to drop off the paperwork, my father had just shown up at my school. It didn't take long for the administration to be able to find a picture of him through his mug shots. And I just walked in that day and my God, his picture was everywhere, just everywhere. And I was so terrified because it was like real. He was looking for me and he was going to go to every length that he could. And I needed a good support system. And back then I had one. It wasn't long after that, that the missing persons posters were put up. They always say that it takes a village to raise a baby. And while that may be true, I think it takes a village to save a victim. Each person in my life back then played their own part in helping me escape. And whether it was giving me a job or offering me a place to stay or just emotional support, everybody helped me. The biggest lesson I think that I learned in 2008 was the important part that CPS was playing in a lot of things. It was so surreal how somebody could come and see me after I had just gotten out of the hospital with a concussion and a head injury with staples in the back of my head and sit here and tell me that the safest place was for me to return to the place where it all happened. I never understood that and I could never wrap my mind around it until many years later after I started researching and found out that it was in fact sex trafficking that I had survived. And I started to learn about what sex trafficking rings were and just kind of put all the pieces together. And even today, I am still putting those pieces together. I used to think that CPS was involved and that they were the sex traffickers. But I soon realized that the trafficking rings just had victims strategically placed throughout the agency. They would be able to intercept calls. So when my parents would make a call, they would make sure that someone from the ring would be the one to come out and do the investigation. 
And they would come out and they would either take your kids or threaten to take your kids or just do whatever it was that the ring wanted them to do. My kids were their biggest weapon against me because they knew that I would do anything to keep them safe. So when people talk about CPS being complacent in sex trafficking, it is actually not the agency itself, just the people that work for it. And you see that a lot, not just in CPS, but in family court, at doctor's offices, dentist offices, and a whole bunch of other things. All those times that I was trafficked through the dental and doctor's offices, even the psych ward, there was always somebody on the inside that was part of the ring. I still can't even figure out who was that person. I'm glad that I made it out. And as horrific as that night was, I'm happy that it happened because it really showed me a lot of things. And it wasn't just the physical altercation. It was everything that followed as well. It was the CPS worker completely turning on me and my children. It was me finding my strength to finally be able to talk to someone about the reality of what was happening. And I think that the fact that the CPS worker told me to go back home is kind of what made everybody else realize that I was in a pretty bad situation and there was a lot of bad characters involved. And it sucks to sit here and say that I'm so thankful for such a horrible night. But us as humans, we all have our breaking point and that night was it for me. It was a night where I was just done. And even though it did take 11 months later for me to make my final escape, all the pieces started getting put into place after that night. The way that I acted at home, the plans that were being made with the administrators and my friends, it all started that night. And now I sit back and think about when everything changed and how everything changed and just everything about that night was the first time that I knew what was happening to me was not normal and I knew that I deserved better and I wanted that and I would do anything that I could to get that that night is where I found my strength and every single night after that my strength grew more and more until I finally got to a place where I said I have had enough and now here I am a month shy from my 12th anniversary of escaping and I'm sitting here and I'm sharing my story and I do not care if they hear I do not care if they know and someday I will be able to say that I do not care if they find me I'm not quite there yet but it's in the near future for sure there's no timetable in surviving and I've learned that over the years that everything that I do is at my own pace and everything I do is my choice I have the power over my life now so the way I use that power is always going to be what's best for me I was silenced for 36 years 
and I will never allow anyone to silence me again.